Just pretend they're not singing to you. It works a lot better. <laughs> Just ignore it. It's that not really me. That might be the most you've ever had sing to you on your birthday, it's huh? It's true, yeah. feel loved by your church family. Yes. Well, it's good to be here. Uh, Heather and I don't quite have the, the story of Pastor Elliot and his wife, but who does <laughs> after a, a video like that? But we've known each other for a little over 12 years now. And of those 12 years, uh, nine months of those have been dating, uh, six months of, of engagement, and we have uh, almost been married 10 years coming up in December here. So Ooh. moving on to 10 years, <laughs> it's a while, feels like a while. Now, if you're doing the math and you're wondering, well, where were those missing seven <laughs> feels months? Feels like a lot. How am I supposed to take that? <laughs> it's a lot, right? <laughs> keep going. I don't know. <laughs> If you're doing the math, though, and you're wondering about those missing seven months, she broke up with me. Lies. That All you're going to have to get the story from her later on. I actually thought I was the one that broke up with her. But eight years into our marriage, I realized she told me that she broke up with me a month before I actually thought I broke up with her. This story so, doesn't even make sense. They don't understand. Well, it's, it's true. So, Where are, are his sisters in the room? They know who broke up with who. The communi no. communication <laughs> factor in marriage is super important. And I, I, just reflecting on our time together, our, our marriage, these last uh, 12 years, 11 years really being together, 10 years in marriage, things are not the same as they were in the beginning. Uh, relationships, dating, engagement was a lot different than the course of marriage and children and jobs and all of that stuff. And so I think one of the things we have realized is there's a lot of work, a lot of time and effort that is, needs to uh, be given to really have a marriage that's going to thrive, a marriage that's going to uh, be the kind of marriage that God wants us to have. And you probably realize that things aren't the same. Mm -hmm. what, what would you say some of the reasons why things are not the same as they were when we were dating or engaged? Uh, I think one of the thoughts are probably for all of us is just you think that the other person is quite perfect going into it. I mean, at least for the first chunk of time getting to know someone, you are expecting that person to be near perfect. And then I guess any flaws that you notice, you try to ignore and, you know, assume they're going to be better or whatever. So that would be one of the reasons. Right. Um, the, we're thinking through the priority of your relationship when you first start dating. It's like everything. And it's not a bad thing that your relationship is like the one thing you focus on. You know, it's almost like you can put other responsibilities aside for the small little chunk in life where you focus on your relationship and that's a good thing. And so it's a major priority, I think, uh, more than we ever give it later on when we're married. Right, and, and I, I would remember going back to dating and engagement, uh, there was really no arguments that we've had, no disagreements. Remember the one time that we were uh, planning the wedding, though, you wanted covers on the chairs, and I did not want covers on the that chairs. So there was a disagreement for there sure. There was disagreement <laughs> about that. It's a lot of money, thinking about the, the wedding there. Uh, she got her way, and that was a wise choice right there. But, but things have changed, and I think when we look back and we say those were a dreamy time, those were times where you just got to focus on each other and then really commit to each other, and there's a lot of sparks that were flying, and now 11 years later, what, what's going on? And I would say that there can still be romance in, in the marriage, that there should be romance in the marriage. I look at Proverbs chapter 5, and it says, Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And if you know the context of what's going on there, there's a lot of things to rejoice about. Uh, 
But you, you just got to have this mindset of marriage is going to take work. Things are going to change. But to have a solid marriage where there are sparks, where there's, there's romance, where you're into each other, uh, things are going the way that you thought they should go back when you were first dating, you first ultimately need to start acting like a Christian in your marriage. And because I don't know where all of you are at right now, it's easy to come into a big room and to put on a show for other people. And when you go back home, what does your marriage really look like? How do you interact with, the, with each other? How do you talk to each other? When there are disagreements and when there are conflicts, what's, what's the kind of response that you have with each other? And if you don't have a godly response to the conflicts and the disagreements that might come up, you are not going to have romance. You're not going to have that spark that God wants you to have in your marriage. And so when I think about marriage, the, the one thing what, what I always go over when I think of premarital counseling is a key aspect of the gospel that you really need to master if you want to have a, a romance in your marriage, and that is uh, to be able to forgive each other. So we're going to give you 10 tips right now to really spark that romance in your marriage. But just to start off some foundational things in any relationship, you need to be able to forgive your spouse um, for a variety of different reasons. You've forgiven me, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. For what? What have you forgiven me for? (laughs) You don't want to go there. Yeah, I mean, I think there's little things, and then some marriages have big things. Um, and either way, it's just that soft heart that it takes to forgive. Right, it, and forgiveness, I, I, I think, when you are married and you now have, uh, things have changed. You don't have all the time that you had before. You have kids, you're more involved in ministry, you're more involved in your work, uh, you don't have that time to really focus on each other, uh, which really allows that, that sparks to really develop. And so when there are disagreements um, and they are not handled the right way, what happens, it really puts a, a wedge in between the two of you. And if you don't deal with that disagreement or deal with that conflict, that wedge keeps on getting bigger and bigger and you get further and further and further apart which something could be a very small thing to start off with. And now you find yourself not uh, interacting the way that you used to interact, not talking the way that you used to talk, just by subtle disagreements, conflicts that were not resolved in the biblical way. And so I'd say any grudges that you have, any bitterness that you might have towards your spouse, any list of things that are going on where it's like you are mad, you are upset, you are holding on to something that your spouse did, you need to tonight say, I, I need to be ready to forgive my spouse. I need to forgive my spouse. That's what Christ calls you to do in Matthew 18. He says, if you can't forgive, right, then you really you haven't experienced the forgiveness of God the Father. And so you need to be able to forgive your spouse. And then on the flip side of that, I would say you need to be humble and you need to recognize that you need forgiveness. And that comes with confession, and so just to evaluate where you are at tonight, again, we don't know where, you, where your marriage is, but if there is conflict, if there is strife, if, there is, is, if things are not going well, write down a list of all the things that you need to seek forgiveness from your spouse. Really take a heart check, evaluate, and say, where do I need to seek forgiveness from? And, where, and make sure that forgiveness is reciprocated where it's, where it's granted. But I'd say that's, that's number one, is yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. Number two. 
I was going to add, I think even if you think of the little things, if there's even just a small thing that you're holding against that person, I mean, the, these tips don't sound like fun necessarily as far as romance. I mean, when are we going to get to the fun, you know, go frolic in the grass kind of stuff. But ah, yes. it starts with if that? you hold something against someone, you don't want to kiss them. You don't want to be around them. Like you, there's a distance. So that is key, just that foundational thought. Um, number two is be patient with their growth. Be patient with their growth. Uh, back when you were dating, I mentioned how we kind of think the best of them. You know, even if friends point out something about your soon-to-be spouse, you kind of say, ah, you know, they're, they're growing, they're changing. You put it aside and you are patient with them. You assume it's going to get better. And then you're married and you see that it takes a while for it to get better. And then you probably see a lot more than you saw before because you're seeing them day in and day out. And so it does take that patience. Um, you know that famous passage about the love passage, 1 Corinthians 13, talks about the characteristics of love. And that first one is patience. Love is patient. And if we're going to be loving, we have to be willing to be that with each other. It also says um, later on that it's not arrogant, which that's helpful because I think we could all look at our own lives if we stopped and you know, put that mirror there and would say, we have our own issues. Um, even if we're trying really hard, it, take, it takes a long time. God is um, patient with us. It, you know, I don't know, it, it takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of hard work. We don't change overnight. You know, we wish we'd change overnight. If only we had that desire and we just changed. Um, so we're patient with ourselves, but we need to be patient with the other person. Uh, they're going to mess up again. They're sinners. We've got to be patient with them and as I, they work I, I think it. a point to that is we can get frustrated with the other person if we are the one that, okay, I really do want to have a good marriage. I want to have a godly marriage. I, I want our marriage to resemble the kind of marriage that God wants me to have. And we get frustrated with the other person if they are not putting in the same effort that you are putting in. Well, give it time. I, I just think of how patient God is with us, right? To bring us to himself and eventually to, to, to get us there. He was patient with us. And I'd say, you are in this marriage, you are in this covenant together. God wants you to have a godly marriage. You need to keep on doing the things that God calls you to do in this marriage, even if it's not reciprocated by the other person at the, the same time that you are really working hard at it. So be patient, be praying for them, hope and pray that they're going to come along and they're going to put the, the work and time into the marriage that you are putting in, if you, you are actually putting that in. Um, Anything you want to add to that? I want to say, go, go back to, uh, well, you don't even have to go there, but 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about love, right? Love is not a, this emotion, it's not a feeling. That's what we think about it when we're dating and we're, we're engaged. We've got this, this uh, real deep feeling for somebody, but love, as the Bible describes it, is, is being patient and being kind. And it goes on in verse 5, to not insist on its own ways, and it's not irritable. So, Tip number three is be gracious with preferences. Be gracious with pre preferences. And what, what I mean by this is uh, you didn't know each other perfectly when you got engaged, when you were dating. You didn't know all their, 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 their nuances, their different things that, yeah, you, you just didn't know all the stuff that was going on with them until then you are come under one roof uh, and you are living together day in and day out and then you realize there are a lot of things that annoy me about this person. She thinks that. I don't think that, right? <laughs> There's not a lot of things. Not a lot. 
Yeah, if there are, we'll have a conversation later. <laughs> but the, we, we have different personalities. We do things differently. And we can easily get annoyed as a person. I could get annoyed at her or she could get annoyed at me. But we got to realize that some of the things that we can make a big deal about, they're not sin issues. They're not. And why am I making a big deal about things that are not a big deal to God that are just personal preferences, the way people do things? Uh, an example, I'll give an example. My wife, I love my wife. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so we, we, we both brush our teeth. Uh, oh, that's, no. good, that's good to know. <laughs> and there are a few things that really bother me about my wife that I choose. I, I'm, I don't know how well I actually do overlooking it. But I'm trying to. There's there's a few (laughs) things that I overlook. But one of them, she doesn't put uh, the cap back on the toothpaste, and she squeezes from the middle. That's a big no-no, right? I mean, you got to squeeze from the bottom, and you always put the the cap back on, because if you don't put the cap back on, you put it back in the drawer, then you got toothpaste all over the place, right? And... I, I just, I, I can't stand it. And I probably made a big deal about it. I probably make less of a deal about it. And I just, now I just kind of put the cap back on for, for her and I squeeze it up from the bottom each time and she probably doesn't even notice. I don't. <laughs> I thought it wasn't an so, issue anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but those, I mean, those are things that I could really al- allow them to annoy me or just to, to overlook them. And I'm sure there's... I got a good example. <laughs> All right, your turn. (laughs) But I actually don't know who's annoyed at who in this situation. Okay, so the dishwasher. We all put dishes in the dishwasher. I And there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. He's the one who has the preference. And you know what he does? He comes home almost every night and reorganizes the dishwasher. (laughs) So I think (laughs) you're still not being super gracious with my dishwasher skills. (laughs) But I do get annoyed that he reorganizes the dishwasher. But I've overlooked that a few times. <laughs> but I, I mean, just think about your marriage and things that you have started to make things that are they're a big deal now that don't need to be a big deal. That if you can be gracious and you could just overlook it and say, that's, that's really not a big deal. And you need to work on that. You need to remind yourself of, of that. I, uh, early on in my marriage, or maybe even before I got married, I remember the wisdom my dad gave to me, which he said you could either focus about the things that you don't like about the other person or you can choose to have your attention be focused to the things that you love about that person right and if i focus all the great things the reasons why i wanted to marry her right all these other little things i can overlook it it's not a big deal i want to focus on who she is and and all the great things about her and it will easy easily make me think the toothpaste okay it's kind of a big deal but it's not that big of a deal right (laughs) I can get over it, right? So we want to be gracious with uh, preferences. And maybe learn to laugh at them, too. Laugh at them. Yeah, laugh yeah, at them. Laugh when I the dishwasher. The yes. yes. I should do that more. Um, number four is uh, back to 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, just noticing in verse 7, it says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And it just kind of has this flavor that we're supposed to think the best of our spouse rather than assuming the worst. And so uh, we said, choose to think the best of your spouse. Um, Meaning, this is something I really learned a lot in our marriage, especially early on, is when there's something that goes wrong, something you didn't expect, to not assume the reason behind it is a bad reason. Um, For example, I, I didn't know I thought this necessarily, but when he would be late, 
I would find myself very upset in a, you know, some kind of emotional way. And I didn't know why it was until we'd kind of hash it out. And I realized when he was late, and, you know, I'm like 21, so give me a little grace here. <laughs> but when he was late, I would basically think he doesn't love me or he doesn't care about me or he doesn't want to be home. I would assume that he thinks whatever he's doing is more important at work or whatever. And he would come home and I'd take it personal. Um, that was not thinking the best. Over the years, I've learned he loves me, and I can trust the fact that he loves me and he wants to come home when it makes sense to come home. Um, he desires to be home with me, and so even if he's late and I don't know why, I can just assume it's not some crazy reason. Um, or I remember it used to come up if I would text or call and I wouldn't hear from him for hours. I would assume it was personal rather than he's really busy at work or his phone's not by him. Um, I don't know, there's so many things I think that just come up in daily life where we could either assume the best about them, especially if we know the best about them. Like we know that they love us. We know that they're godly. We know that, you know, all these good things about them, we can assume that when something goes wrong rather than go the other way. But there are going to be times when you choose to think the best about the person and then they're going to come back and you're like, why were you late? And you have a no good reason for being late. Oh, I knew it, right? And <laughs> there that's, that's the thing where you got to go back to uh, point one and point two is when you are choosing to think the best and when you thought the best and the, the story unfolds and, and unfortunately your thoughts of that person were not true in them being the best. They were actually the worst at that moment, right? You want to still forgive your spouse, to be patient with their growth, uh, realize they are a work in progress just like you are, and you still want to be able to to think the best of them in the future and to, to work out that conflict, that difficulty right there and to, to move on. The, and, and I would say these, these things right here are just basic, you know, things that you need to have in, your, in any relationship, but specifically in your marriage. Moving on to thinking about your marriage, really this marriage, this covenant, this is the most important relationship that God has for you on this earth with another human being. Uh, he wants your spouse to be number one. When you go back to, to Genesis 2 and with creation, we see Adam and it says he was not good, that he was alone. He needed a helper, someone who was uh, going to be fit for him, who was going to be that counterpart that was going to put together what was lacking in that relationship. And to bring those two individuals, those two flesh, and to make them one, this companionship really aspect that's going on, and a lot more than companionship, but physical intimacy goes along with that. But I, I would challenge you in just thinking through, of my relationships, do I prioritize my spouse above any other human relationship? More important than my kids, more important than my girlfriends, my boyfriends, uh, Boyfriends, that sounds weird to say. My, my guy friends, right? More important than my guy friends, right? More important than, than any other relationship, my spouse is the most significant one, the one that I want to pour my time into. Obviously, she doesn't get as much time as I would want to pour into it and as much time as we had when we were dating and engaged, but I, I want to make a point to have that time to spend with her and really work on this companionship, this relationship, this friendship. And so point number five, what I said, we need to enjoy time together. Any time that we get together, I want to make that time where we, we enjoy together and so we can joke about reorganizing the dishes uh, rather than have a big conflict over it and just to interact and to, to have fun and try to make my wife laugh, <laughs> which I realized two nights ago, uh, 
She just told me this two oh, nights no. ago. I told you before, a long time ago. I didn't remember. You <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> two nights ago, she tell, told me that one of her, fr- her friends, her group of friends, their, her ma- their major concern for her for marrying me was I did not make her laugh. And then I asked her, well, I am funny now, right? And she's like, no. <laughs> but there's plenty of other things to laugh about in life, so I guess that's not a big deal. She chose to overlook that. But I can be funny at times. Yeah. I made Pastor Elliot laugh today, and that was, he encouraged me. He's a good friend. At me. Go figure. Not really a good friend. I should have known. All right. But you want, yeah, you want to figure out to make the effort to spend time together? How, how can I make sure that I get out of work at a, a decent hour to uh, make sure we're going to have some time together? Maybe that's going to take some effort in budgeting uh, your, your bank account. How can we aff- make the funds available to, to make sure we're going to uh, go out to dinner or get a babysitter or something like that where we're going to have some time just to really enjoy one another like we did when we were dating and when we were engaged. There was a lot more time then. How can I make the effort to make time with my spouse because she is the most important person in my life. One okay. thought to add is this is date night, but it's more than date night. Just in daily life, are you enjoying time together? And in not checking the box kind of way, like, yeah, we do projects together, we organize the garage together, we do this together, and yeah, we spent time together, but it's got to be intentional However, that means, if that means you are talking when you're doing it, that means you have music on and it makes the mood a little lighter and, you know, you're, it's got to be seeking to enjoy each other, not just being side by side, doing whatever you do just because you do it. It's got to be more than that. Right, it's not what you do, it's how, it's how you go about doing it. And you can enjoy your spouse and doing some of the work that you might have to do at, at your, your house or wherever you live. Can you enjoy doing laundry together and, and folding things and talking about something significant. You can't enjoy laundry. I like doing... I love when you do it with me. Yeah. Great. Okay. (laughs) Never mind. Go on. All right. Number six, Um, please. Number six is find ways to make them smile. You probably wouldn't have married this person if they didn't make you smile and same vice versa, but we get busy and we get focused on so many things that we have to do that that doesn't become a natural part all the time as it should be. So whatever that looks like, whether it's ordinary things, extraordinary things, maybe it's the daily stuff, um, making something that they like, bringing them something they like, maybe it's the texts, the emails, uh, just going out of your way to find something in the day that could bring them joy. Um, As a wife, I'm very encouraged by Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 12, and as you know, that's the, uh, you know, the godly woman that we look to, that we want to be like. And it says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. And just thinking of that, like what would be where he looks back and say, she did me good. In, in little things as well as the big things. How could I bring a smile to his face on a daily basis? Going on with that number seven, what make what might make you smile or make your spouse smile is, is being helpful. So number seven, be intentionally helpful. I know for, for guys, this is a big one because if you are, are working and you had a long day at work and you, you are coming home um, and you got kids all running around and you had a lot going on, it's like, I just need a, a chance to, I don't know, decompress. Uh, but 
instead of avoiding what's going on, to really jump into the mix of what's going on with my wife. What has she been doing all day? Was she working and now she's at home too? Or was she at home with the kids and there's all these rugrats running around and it's, it's chaotic. How can I help? So I go reorganize the dishes and that helps her. <laughs> or, or there's, there's I, just other things. What, what can I do to help? You know, she's, she's making, making dinner. So I, instead of the kids all at mom, 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 I need this. I try to go deal with the kids in a way that I can help her out going, you know, kids going to bed at night. We got four young kids and I, I want to take some of that pressure off her. I don't want her to feel responsible for all that. I want to do whatever I can to be intentionally helpful. Um, and guys, we, I think guys just need to make that effort, and that will make your wife smile. That is going to show her love. That might spark some romance for later on if you just allow her to relax a little bit when you get home, um, just to put in that extra effort uh, when you get home at night and on the weekends. And for ladies, we know that our, our job is to be our husband's helpmate. So we are supposed to be helpful. But uh, to think of this as going the extra step, going the extra mile, a uh, specific thing I think of is we have the young kids and it takes a lot to get them all ready for bed. And it would be easy to do either my part, you know, we kind of have a routine of who does what, uh, my part or even, you know, he happens to be in the room and he's dealing with an extra something and, whew, you know, it's one less thing that I have to deal with. But if I was thinking in this mindset, I would think, how much can I do so that he doesn't have to do more? How can I take on more of the load? So the, just, I don't know, the daily stuff, the routines, how can I go out of my way to make his life easier in the extra ways? We're already supposed to be helping him, but find those extra ways to make his life easier. And, and again, I'll just say, because this will come up, you might say, okay, that, I, I really want to do that. And if it's not reciprocated, how are you going to respond? Because right. there's a, a point where you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get upset. I'm really working on this, and it's not being reciprocated. Can you do this? Uh, one, because you love your spouse, because God calls you to love your spouse. But you can really do this if you love Christ, if you love God, because you're doing it ultimately for him. So I, I think just keeping that in mind when it's not being reciprocated, I want to do it for my spouse, but ultimately I'm going to do it for, for Christ. Uh, so be intentionally helpful. Number eight. One. Show love with your words. Uh, just those kind words that we can exchange with our spouse or just even if it's on our end. But I think it would be helpful if we thought, let's be more specific, not just I love you or you look nice or, you know, those general things that maybe we get in the habit of throwing out. But be specific in your words to build up the other person. Um, and so then, instead of you look nice, like you are hot. No. Right? No? That doesn't work? <laughs> Wait, give I me mean, an example because this nice, is helpful that works, for me. But <laughs> like what do you notice about that person? Like I like your smile or that looks, you know, that that outfit looks nice on you. Or, but I think really yeah. the looks, I mean, one a day is fine with that. But it's more like I love the way you're intentional with the girls and you did, you know, you spent that extra time teaching them. Or I love how patient you were when that one did this and that. So, yeah, looks, one a day. One and a then day. <laughs> All right. That's good to know. <laughs> but this the is interesting because <laughs> when we were dating, uh, close to engagement, she, one of her critiques of me was I, I was not verbal in our relationship. I, I, didn't, I didn't compliment her. I didn't know that he liked me or not. I yeah, sure. and so now I compliment her all the time, and she says, stop it, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, 
One a day. One a day. So <laughs> I guess one, one a day now. Um, and then speak highly of your spouse to other people. That would definitely undermine your relationship if you were speaking negatively of him to whoever. But also just spend time communicating. You know, you open up to the people that you care about. You are willing to, to invest and to share your heart with those who you love. So it takes that intentionality to do that with your spouse, maybe date night. I know you've been intentional more. That's not as natural for you. What, What's I don't know, you were natural? telling me about that the other day. How the sharing of your heart, like when you come home from a long day, it's not like, let me just tell you everything that, you know, went on in my day and all that. It takes that intentionality to. I want to shut words. down and not talk. That's my tendency. I, I don't want to talk, but I know she wants to talk and hear about my day. And so I try to think of things on the way home. What am I going to talk to her about, right? <laughs> I will write things down because I want to make sure I... This was news to me recently. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I want to. I want to talk because I think it's, it's, good for, it's good for our relationship to connect and to really be unified by the things that we are talking. She knows what's going on in my life, what's important to me, uh, knows struggles and knows how to pray for me and vice versa, just to know what went on the day... For, with her to ask, to show that I care with my words by asking her things that, that happen and to be engaged in the conversation, to get off my phone, um, to really spend some focused time talking with her. And I think of Ephesians too, just to, you, you want to build each other up with your words, right? Not to tear people down. And so often in our relationships, we can tear people down and it's the exact opposite what God intend, intends for our, our mouth, uh, our words to really build up each other. And so we've got to make a, a habit, a practice of that. And really, when I think of these eight things, if you are doing these eight things, this is going to enable you to have that romance, to re-spark the, the romance in your marriage. If these things are not practiced, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard for you to go out and to have a fun night together because there's all this garbage from the weeks before, the day before, interaction, whatever you have harbored in your heart as bitterness, a grudge. It's, it's just not going to go well. But if you work on these things, right, then your romance right, is going to be a lot better. It's, it's going to go well. Obviously, it's not perfect. We're not perfect, but it's going to be a lot better. So number nine, you need to start dating your spouse. Date your spouse. And that's where... You are spending the time to think about it, to plan it. Think about that when you were engaged or when you were before engagement. You spent time to plan out, how am I going to take this gal out? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? I want to make sure I have money for this. It's no different in your, your marriage. If you want to have that spark that you had in the beginning, is that a priority to go out to do something away from the kids, just you two where you can have that conversation, where you can talk, where you can interact? Uh, it's, it's important. And I know at Compass, uh, we say, have a date night. Have a date night every week. And obviously every week that gets difficult, but if it's on the calendar, right, you will make that a priority and just to make it happen. Um, and that's what we shoot for once a week. And I know with sickness and kids and all that, maybe it doesn't happen every single week, but the majority of the weeks, we are spending time away from the kids where we can spend time together. The only thing I'd add for ladies is to just think of it also like you used to think of it when 
he would take you out and how you would get all ready and you would think and you'd prepare and you'd probably lay out your outfit way before and just that intentionality of I want to be all there with him. I'm excited to go out with him. And so to have that mindset that you're excited to be taken out by your Only husband. compliment your wife once that <laughs> night on how Date she night, looks. maybe you can do it a couple more times. <laughs> okay, that's good. All right. And date night, I mean, you can do a date day, you can do a date night, you, but I, I think it's a, important to have that time. And date nights are good, especially if you can have a babysitter right, and you can make sure the kids are down when you get home, right? That's, that's awesome because that sets something up, right? Uh, number 10, you want to be intimate. Get intimate with your spouse. And this, this yeah. We could cheer about this. This is awesome, right? I, I, yeah, you could cheer about it. I, I think, yeah. Wow. I know the people who are clapping what they're going to go home and do tonight, right? <laughs> yes. But no, just I, think about this for a second. For us, you know, money is, is an issue. It's tight. So if we are going out on a date, a lot of times we will have dinner at home. And so come 7 o'clock, a babysitter might come. And we will go, you know, to Starbucks or go get frozen yogurt or, or something like that for an hour and a half or something. So it's 15, 20 bucks, I, I, something like that. And so when we get home, the babysitter did all the hard work, right? You're paying them for something. That's what I tell my wife. She feels guilty about it. But I'm, we're paying them for something. Let them get the kids down. And so when you get home, you don't have to deal with the kids. You can carry on your date at home. You can, you can sit down at the coffee table, or not the coffee table, the kitchen table. When you get home, you can have a conversation. You can talk, right? You can sweep her off her feet. You can get romantic with her like Pastor Elliot does with his wife. It's, it's amazing, right? Uh, just spend the time and say this is a priority. And the reason why it's a priority because God makes it a priority. Uh, he, he wants you to be that person in your spouse's life where you are fulfilling, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, all of their sexual desires in a way where you are, are satisfying each other in a good way because it brings glory to God and it brings you closer together. And so, yeah, I've been talking a lot. Of, you no, want to that's say that's all right. Go ahead. Yeah, go, okay. <laughs> so I, I'd say two things, two things with this because we've got to wrap up here. Uh, the first thing is sometimes, right, a great date night and you're doing all the things one through eight and you are connecting and it's, it's been good and you have a good week and you've had good conversations and you're being intentional and you're being gracious and all those things and then it just, it naturally flows and you're like, it, it just comes together perfectly and you're like, yes, this is awesome. Other times, it, it does not, right? You, for whatever reason, you are not feeling in the mood, you're not desiring it, it and it happens both ways, let me tell you, right? Doing a lot of counseling, it happens where guys uh, don't want to and girls want to. Uh, and I would say in my counseling, it's, it's almost 50%, right? So forget the stereotype. Um, but there's going to be times where you don't want to. Can you want to because you love your spouse? See, it's not a matter about me wanting to. And that's a lot of times where we think about Marriage, and maybe the reason why we got married is because this person makes me happy. This person makes me feel good. See, marriage is never about, I want to marry this person because they make me feel the way I want to feel. Marriage is always about, I want to be united with someone else to pursue Christ together to bring glory to God. 
And if that's my perspective, I can overlook things, right? I can be gracious with things. I can forgive. I can be intimate when I don't feel like it. Why? Because that's what God wants me to do. And it's a good thing for your marriage where you are going to come together. You are going to be intimate. You're going to unite that way, right? And it will lead to other times where you want to, and maybe your spouse isn't. But if it's reciprocated, it's going to be a, a great thing for your marriage. And so all I would say is get intimate, right? Make that a priority. Make that um, a key aspect of your marriage. It's not the only thing in marriage, but it is definitely something that if it's a, a, a problem in your marriage, it's something that don't overlook. Work on it out of love for Christ and love for your, your spouse. And I've just been ranting. Do you want to say anything about that? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> All right. I went a minute over. You're not kicking me off the stage yet. No, That's... Last time you went 10 minutes over. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you want to add anything to that, Pastor Elliot? I mean, you're the romance guy. I saw that video. Hello, check, check. Uh, no, I think you covered it well. So Awesome. All right, let me pray. Can I yeah. pray? Go ahead, pray, Lucas. All right, let me pray. God, we do thank you ultimately for our relationship with you that we, those of us who have repented and put our faith in your son, we have uh, been reconciled to you. Once we were your enemy, but now we are united with you and we are redeemed by the blood of your son. And God, for that reason, we want to live for you. We want to have a marriage that's going to glorify you. We want to spend time with each other in a way that would please you and to be gracious and to forgive and to be this one flesh that you describe for us in Genesis 2 where there's that companionship and there's that closeness and a a priority in that relationship and even that sexual unity, God, that you want us to have. God, I pray just for all these marriages in here. I know we're all at different spots, but help us from this night forward uh, to really seek to be the kind of spouse that you want us to be uh, regardless of whether that is reciprocated by our spouse or not, that we would do that out of our love for you. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.